0: you're listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Monday, May 29th, 2023, Memorial Day. That's right. It's the day that we memorialize the death of fallen soldiers. It's important to remember what holidays mean. It's way more than just mattress sales, which in my opinion is kind of disrespectful Right? What a better way to honor our fallen soldiers than to make a fire sale on mattresses? I don't know. That's just my opinion. Which is exactly why you tuned into the Don't Send Me Bro podcast. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with, and others you won't. And I am perfectly okay with that. Because the world would be a boring place if we all agreed about everything all the time. Nobody is safe here. That's right, not even you. Chances are I will say something that offends you, and you have to be okay with that. Because as you'll find out, I even make fun of myself. Did I mention the price of Bitcoin? I don't know. Today is sunny, partly cloudy, beautiful day. Bitcoin is about $27,700 each. If you haven't listened to the old podcasts, which started when I lived in Nicaragua called Life in Paradise, I encourage you to go check those out. You might be entertained, but this podcast focuses mainly on politics, my opinion, finance, economics, a little bit of business, you know, basically just a a portal into my little pea brain. And if there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. I record every intro individually. And another thing you needed to know about me is that I'm always pushing hammocks. In fact, I'm pushing the world's best hammocks. Theworldsbesthammocks.com, where you can go to get the absolute best hammock in the world. If you don't believe me, you have to go check it out. Listen, I've been all over the world. I've tried all the hammocks. I've found the best ones. I import them here from Nicaragua. And I pimp them to you out of my little makeshift studio. With piled up hammocks all around me. If you could see it, you'd think that I'm doing business in a warehouse. So go check out the world's best hammocks. Literally the best hammocks in the world. You cannot find a better hammock. Where else can you find the world's best anything for a few hundred bucks? So don't delay. Go check out worldsbesthammocks.com. Now that all that's out the way, let's get to the real meat and potatoes. Or, you know what, I love the way people say potatoes, like with a B. If you're not from the South, you may not know that. But you ask somebody's grandma what she's gonna have with her fried chicken, probably gonna say potatoes. All right, sit back, relax, and let me control your brain for about the next hour or so. Well, well, welcome back to another episode of Don't Sue Me Bro, where I talk about all sorts of things that might make you want to sue me. But you shouldn't, because it's good to have different opinions. You know what I mean? I hope everyone's having a great Memorial Day. I hope you have memorialized people for the deaths and the sacrifice that they made so you could live in a free country, that you could live in a place where there wasn't a strong centralized government where we didn't pay wasteful tax dollars to some governing authority who shouldn't be there, who, who wasn't elected, where we have lots of freedom to express ourselves and say what we want to, when we want to, wherever we want to, and we have the right to bear arms, along with many other rights. I do find it interesting, though, that the people who represent a certain half of the political spectrum are pushing to make things more like they were in the country and the governments that everyone fled from. And I honestly don't know how someone could argue against that. I don't know how someone could say, well, you know, we're progressive, but, you know, we want more government. We want the government to have more power. We think people should pay more in taxes. We think it's better to pool all the resources and then divide them equally. I don't see how someone could say that and say, oh, but we also recognize why we fled England and why we spun off and did our own thing. And how can they not understand that what they're asking for is more similar to how things were in England before we left than what we have now? And this is why I think it's just a natural progression of a civilization. Once you have everything you need... Once all the needs are met, everyone's wealthy, then things start to go south. People start to implement control and power and rules and regulations just to, quote, unquote, get things done. And what that ends up doing is constricting everyone else's freedoms. I, on the other hand, am a firm believer that we should just stop making so many dang rules and regulations that, People should have the freedom to choose the things they want to do, the way they want to live, the health care that they have. Let's not forget that the Boston Tea Party. Remember that? Remember the Boston Tea Party from elementary school? Like you heard about the Boston Tea Party once in like elementary school and then you never hear about it again. But what had happened was the citizens were so fed up with the with the King's government of England imposing taxes on tea, that they stormed the boatyards and they destroyed all the tea in protest. Here's an interesting fact about that. They only destroyed one lock and they replaced it. So the only thing that they destroyed was a tea. They didn't tear up. They didn't go looking for no big screen TVs. They weren't smashing windows at Target. They were just protesting, saying, hey, look, we're taking your tea. We're throwing it in the water. And here's why. And the only one thing they destroyed besides a tea, they went back and replaced it. But anyway, that whole ordeal was for, I want to say it was like a 7% tax or maybe it was like 13% tax. And now, man, now everybody pays so much in taxes, but they're really good at, at covering it up so that we don't actually see it. You know, The sales tax is a perfect example. Everybody presents their prices, then it's like, oh, plus tax. And then you you never think about tax, but that's 8.25% on top of what you're already spending. And I was thinking about it the other day, and I haven't done any research yet. I probably should have before I started talking about it. But I'm going to go back and and try to research the sales tax, how it came about, and when it started. If I had to guess, it's probably World War II, but I don't know. I don't know. But what gets me is that everyone was okay when we started the sales tax. I mean, maybe there was a big uproar. But imagine like you're just going through life, you're living, you're doing everything, you're grinding, you're working, you're trying to advance your family. And then all of a sudden the government says, oh, by the way, we're going to start charging a tax. Uh, okay, uh, a tax on what? Oh, on everything. Well, we already pay an income tax. Yeah, no, we know. We already pay our property tax. Yeah, no, we know. But what, what else you get a tax? Oh, no, we're going to tax everything you buy. Wait, why are you gonna tax everything that I buy? Mm, because we're the government, and we pretty much rule like it's a monarchy. Okay, so so what value are you adding for the tax that I'm paying? Oh well, um, uh, yeah, it's just gonna go into like the kitty. All right, and what are you gonna do with that money? Um, we're gonna do things like build roads and bridges. Uh, okay. Well don't I pay like registration fees and taxes on gasoline? Don't I pay you guys like thirty eight cents a gallon on gas and diesel? Yeah, yeah, no, you do. Okay, but I still gotta pay sales tax. Mm-hmm. Yep, you still gotta pay it. I truly think I truly think that the government will will end up taxing us to a point that we will we will have to turn to socialism or we will we will all be like poor. We will all just be cogs in the wheel, which we pretty much already are. Because the people that we're electing, we're putting in power, they don't have the guts to say, oh, you know what? We should really cut spending. We should stop spending money on gender equality studies. And then that way we don't have to keep raising taxes because, you know, we don't really shop for good deals. Whenever we do a project, like we're not really too concerned about how how to save costs or to do it more cost-effectively. So because of that, we're going to really tighten up our spending and and uh, you know reconfigure our budget so we're not wasting so much money. Because you know we really don't want to have to raise taxes on on anybody. But the only reason they don't want to raise taxes is because they want to get reelected, and we all just go along to get along. So so one day we'll be socialist. We'll, we'll all just we'll, communal living or there will be a a rebellion and an uprising and an overthrow of the government. I don't know any kind of time frames. I don't like to put times on things, but I do think it's bound to happen. I, I don't know of a civilization that rose to the top of the world power and then just stayed there forever, right? I mean, they all just rise and fall. So something will cause us to fall. And I know I often say things like, oh, we're electing people for the wrong reasons. We're electing people for the wrong reasons. And I'm sure... Without a doubt, there's someone out there saying,
1: You just say that because you're a Republican and the Democrats have the White House.
0: No, actually, we're electing people for the wrong reasons. Let me give you an example. This is Dade Phelan. He's the Speaker of the House, the the Texas House of Representatives. He's the Speaker, so state government level Speaker of the House. Now, he gets up there. They're having a session. He gets up there. It's this is a late night session, I think, and he's hammered, drunk. He is so drunk, it's hard to understand him. I'm going to play this clip. It's about 45 seconds long. If you don't understand him, that's okay, because I didn't. I didn't really either. So just just listen to this here. The speaker. I will move adoption. Mr. Campbell, send out the amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? The chair has done. Members adopt it. The mem- mem- mem adopted. Dar- chair recognizes Mr. Mr. Johnson of Harris. Mr. Johnson of Harris to speak in opposition to the bill. The chair recognizes Ms. Niave Criado to speak in opposition to the bill. And no, I did not just play the end part twice. He actually says the same thing two times in a row. So, old Dade Phelan, so drunk he could barely talk. There was speculation when this first came out. Oh, my gosh, is he having a stroke? No, he's not having a stroke. He's drunk as a skunk. You know how I know? Because it happens all the time, apparently, according to the insiders. Also, if they weren't expecting it, They would have rushed up there to his aid, and they would have put their arms around him. They would have dragged him off stage. Then he would have released a statement from the hospital. They would have showed him getting in the ambulance and going to the hospital. They would have announced whether or not he's going to make it, and he's going to be paralyzed on the left side of his face. We didn't hear any of that. It just went quiet. went quiet. Why is this guy not fired? This guy should be immediately run out of town. You see, these are the kinds of things we put up with. These are the kinds of things that when people get elected— People should say, no, don't elect this guy. He's a raging alcoholic. I've seen him all the time. He's always drunk at work. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and decide you're going to get drunk and then go to work. It happens over time. It's never a surprise until the camera catches it when it's not supposed to. And when I say things like we're electing the wrong people, this is precisely what I'm talking about. We're, we're putting this guy in charge, the, the Texas Speaker of the House and he can't show up to work sober and what? nothing's going to happen to him? And I'll be honest. You know what? I'll be honest. There's a little part of me, a little teeny tiny part of me that saw this and kind of thought to myself, well, that's pretty Texan right there. That That's pretty Texan. You know, you got all these progressive Democrats run around and they, they're probably too scared to have a beer at lunch. Now, I know this because I see them all the time. They come in. They get barbecue and I say, Hey, you know, why don't you have a beer? No, we we can't. Oh, we're at we're at lunch right now. We're at we're on lunch. We're at lunch break. Okay. So what? You can't have a beer at lunch? Mm-mm. No, we're not. We can't. We have to go back to work. Okay. I thought we were a free country, but I guess not. You see, there's a difference between having a beer at lunch and going to work drunk. And it's it sucks that people think that we're not capable, that we humans aren't capable of sorting that out and you know what maybe a lot of people aren't maybe they're not but that's okay you know in my company i wouldn't want people working for me that aren't capable of knowing okay i'm allowed to have a beer at lunch but i can't have lots of beers at lunch i i would rather somebody who says no i i can have a beer at lunch i'm i'm smart enough to know that i can't have three or four i can't go back to work drunk but instead we have these generally accepted rules and it says you're not allowed to drink a beer at lunchtime. But here's old Dade Phelan. He's so unconcerned with this rule that he goes and just gets hammered. And I bet it's on whiskey or bourbon. And he comes back, he's like, <laughs> And he don't care. He gives zero Fs, like none. It's kind of Texan. I'm not going to lie. He he might be able to get away with this because it's Texas. But, you know, if they did this in, like, Oklahoma or Arizona Or California, he probably wouldn't get away with it. But I'm not in favor of it, but I am saying it's just it's kinda like old school Texan. Like I bet you in the seventies before there was cameras everywhere, this happened a lot. It probably happened a lot. But now we got cameras everywhere. We need to run these slime balls out of politics. So we can add this to the list. We can add it to the Fetterman, Biden, and Dade Phelan. And you know what? I bet you those guys' IQs are probably somewhere around Sheila Jackson Lee, Corinne Brown, and Maxine Waters. And these are the idiots that we just keep electing, not to mention Sylvester Turner, mayor of Houston, can't spell, can't conjugate the B verb, put him in charge of the fourth largest city in the country. I just wish people weren't scared to stand up. Someone should have stood up during the session and run his ass out of there. Get out of here. You know, stand up, start screaming, dude, you're hammered, put the gavel down, pack your stuff, and leave right now. We will deal with you tomorrow. Nope, they just go along with it. Just let him get up there and slur his speech and try his hardest to put words together because, well, we don't want to make anybody mad. We don't want to make any waves, you know. We, don't, we got a really good deal going on here, and we're, we're, not, we're not trying to make a bunch of trouble for anybody. We just want to do our own thing. Okay, so the whole representing the people, like you guys aren't too concerned with that, like you're not worried about running this guy out of here because more than likely he's going to make bad decisions on behalf of the people that he represents. You're not, that's not a big deal. No, no, we just, we just don't want to make anybody mad. In my opinion, if people are mad at you, if your own party's mad at you, you're probably doing something right. You're probably going against the grain. Maybe you're doing something wrong. I don't know. But for the most part, what I've seen is when, the, when your own party turns on you, that's because you're threatening something they got going on. Speaking of threatening, did y'all hear that they have put a most wanted hit? Or I don't know about that. They have put Lindsey Graham. Remember Lindsey Graham, who's always talking about the Ukraine and the we got to get out Putin because he's a scary monster and he's gonna run us all to World War Three. And Lindsey Graham, he wants to give amnesty to all the illegal aliens. Well, Mister. Vladimir Putin has put Lindsey Graham on the most wanted list, and they say that he will have big problem with Putin. Never forget Lindsey Graham's speech in 2017. Talk about how they're gonna, we're gonna go on the offense. Your fight is our fight.
1: fight, is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win.
0: That was 2016. They were gearing up for this war in 2016, folks. This did not happen last March. This has been happening for a long time. And I want to ask Lindsey Graham. I want to ask him what what aggression exactly are you so worried about in 2017? Because Putin hasn't really been aggressive until last year whenever he said, we've had enough of this. We're taking this part of the Ukraine back. It was ours, and we're taking it back. He wasn't aggressive until then. Well, I mean, Crimea, right? Crimea River. But you know what I hope? I hope Lindsey Graham is so scared he can't sleep at night. I bet he, he wets the bed. He is so scared of, of Vladimir. That old mean old Vladimir Putin, he's so aggressive. I hope he's scared coming after him. Because you know what? Maybe Putin's right. I know. I know. I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to say it. But let's just let's just take things from Putin's perspective, okay? Let's put yourself in Putin's shoes. Well, I know they won't fit because they're too little because he's a short guy. But let's just say you could fit in his shoes. And all of a sudden, you've got Lindsey Graham going over to the Ukraine telling them how I'm going to go back to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to push that we go after Putin, and I'm going to push for this war. All right? So you're Putin, and you're seeing that happening, and you're thinking to yourself, why is this pudgy doughball who talks like a woman trying to pick a fight with me? Could it be that he's got all kinds of ties in the war industry, and he makes money when people like Raytheon and Boeing are just producing missiles and planes and drones? Could, could that be it? Or could they be political donors to him? Could he get big checks from those guys to help win elections? Probably not. He probably just just wants to go protect the Ukrainians. So look at it from Putin's perspective. And you, and you, you know what? Maybe you'll understand it. Listen, I don't wish death on anybody. I don't hope they kill Lindsey Graham. I do not hope they do. But I hope they scare him. I hope they scare him so much he cannot sleep at night. Because in my opinion, he deserves it. Not, not just because, listen, and this guy's a Republican. So all you people that are all telling me, you're just a Republican and you agree with all the Republicans. Take note of this segment right here. I'm pointing the finger at old Doughboy boy, Lindsey Graham, who's pushing for a war. Don't forget this guy's Biden's little buddy. He made a, a commercial endorsing Biden. But either way, he's he stepped out of his lane. He's he's barking at the bear, and that bear finally has woked up, and he said, listen here, little Lindsey, little lispy Lindsey, don't be running your mouth. You don't know me. So anyway, yeah, there's a, there's a arrest warrant out for Lindsey Graham. It supposedly was based on some comments that he said, and when it first came out, the comments were condensed, and they kind of ran two sentences together. And those two sentences were, Russians are dying and then spending money in Ukraine's the best money we ever spent. So I guess Putin heard, like, Russians are dying, it's the best money we've ever spent. So he's like, okay, listen, Lindsey, I will put you on the list and we will capture you and we will torture you. And I guess Lindsey Graham's response was, I will wear President Putin's arrest warrant as a badge of honor. I've been witch-hunt. Since day one, I've been fighting
1: acquisitions after
0: acquisitions. I don't know what it takes to fight an acquisition, and I do not want to find out. But if I do, maybe I'll be witch hunt. And I'm proud to be an American. You know, I saw something the other day, some some stupid person on uh, the social medias saying how that they're mad that the the extreme the extreme right is using the American flag. As a symbol for them, <laughs> and that we shouldn't be, there should be no American patriotism. We should all just respect other countries the same. All right, so let me get this straight. We're allowed to be proud of being gay. Yes, okay. Are we allowed to be proud of being trans? Mm hmm. Yep, you can be proud of being trans, okay. But we cannot be proud of being American? Mm mm. Nope, you can't, can't do that. Okay all right, whatever, this is exhausting. It's exhausting trying to keep up with all the rules these people make about the words you can and cannot say and when you can say them and who you can and cannot say them to, who's allowed to say what words. I mean, its exhausting. egg-zasting. I'm so glad I'm not in the position of having to make those rules or enforce them because I'd have to keep note cards telling me the rule of the week and all the details.
1: I want to whip his behind. That's what I want to do right now. If I thought they wouldn't take me to jail, I'd whip his behind right now.
0: I almost whipped somebody's behind this week. Well, I didn't. I didn't almost do it, but I would have liked to have whipped his behind. You know, let me let me just give you a little rundown here. Let me Let me tell you what really bothers me, all right? Now, picture yourself a business owner, and you rent a building, okay? You have landlords, you have commercial landlords, and you rent the building, and you pay them every month. And they're supposed to do things like trim the trees and make sure that fences aren't falling down and paint over graffiti every other day when we get writing on the building. You know, they're supposed to just kind of do these things, all right? Well, these guys that run this building, I feel like they have no clue what they're doing or they don't care. And here's why I think that. Well, I had a meeting with one of them this week, and he he was all fussy because I was just so mean to him all the time, and I never wanted to talk to him, and he just didn't understand why I had a bad attitude. I won't go into all the details because I'll spare you. You don't deserve to hear that conversation. But what it boils down to is that it's hard for me to be nice to people or pretend like we're all friends or I respect them if I don't respect them. And I had to do some soul searching this week and figure out why exactly don't I respect these guys. Well, there's, yeah, there's two guys. They're partners in the deal. I don't respect one of them for a reason that I'm not comfortable saying on here because it might be a secret. I don't know. But there's some, something that I learned about one individual and his inability to maintain fidelity in a relationship. And so that's why I've lost respect for him. I've lost respect for the other guy because he ignores us, Right. Listen, I know what it's like to, to have a tenant. I know what it's like to be a tenant. So I know what it's like to be a whiny tenant who just whines all the time. And I'm making a point to not be that. I don't want to be the whiny tenant. At the same time, I know what it's like to be a landlord. And when a tenant needs something, I will respond immediately. I will tell them, yes or no, we can do that. No, we cannot do that. Here's what we can do. All right. So I did some soul search and I figured out. Why do I harbor so much animosity towards this guy? Well, part of it is just his personality, which if it's just a conflict of personality, I can get over that, right? I can get by that. I can get by. But people who think that they're far more important than they really are, I don't don't have respect for them. I don't have respect for people who feel the need to tell you their title and feel the need to tell you how many businesses they own when it's not coming up in conversation. You know, you can tell when someone's trying to brag. It's it's quite clear, and it's always funny to me that the bragger doesn't doesn't give the listener credit for being able to identify bragging. Because bragging is what people did in elementary school. You know, like, what are you going to gain respect from from one of your tenants telling them about some vineyard you own or some wine company? And don't get me wrong, that that can be a great conversation, you know, with the right person. I would love to hear about it. But when someone announces things to you just to inform you that, that they can get a little bit more credit or to seem a little bit more worthy, you know, it's hard for me to respect someone like that. Now, I won't be mean to them. I won't be a punk. I won't be an asshole. But I just won't respect them, right? Now, you take that personality type and then you combine it with, like, just not responding to me. When I when I email you an issue and you just don't even you don't have the time you can't be bothered to even write back and that goes on for like four years where I present a problem and they ignore me and, and a couple of weeks go by and I say hey just following up and then they ignore me and then I send one a little bit snarky hey dudes I've emailed you three times about this and they'll say something like we'll get it done you know and so I'm like am I am my expectations unreasonable am I should I is it wrong to expect a returned email? And if the answer is yes, then I don't, I don't want to do business with them because I want to work with people who are similar to me. And I'm the kind of person who does not want the ball in my court. When a problem or something presents itself to me, my goal is to get that out of my hands as soon as possible. And that's not by ignoring it. But I'm beginning to figure out that more and more people in the workplace just, just ignore emails and text messages and missed calls you know listen I understand I cannot respond to, to emails from strangers I don't I don't respond to spam we have a little contact us form on the website and you know people can send emails about hey I've, I've got some band and we're looking for a place to play like I understand not responding to that that's just like a, a cold call and inquiry about something I get that not not everyone has time to sit there and respond to emails all day but when you work with someone and you rely on them and they rely on you there should be no not responding and if there is it's a huge sign of disrespect in my opinion now i get it every now and then hey sorry i missed that email sorry that one fell through the cracks sorry i didn't mark it unread and i got busy friday and it fell out of my inbox and i never saw it again i totally understand that well what i don't understand is just not responding continually time and time and time again So we kind of got into a little tiff, you know, we got into an argument, but I realized, I realized that, you know, not a lot of people operate in a way that that's satisfactory to me. Now, what can I do about that? Can I, can I lower my standards? Can I just start expecting that, that people don't respond to emails and texts? And I'm not just talking about a landlord. You know, I I sent out five emails to companies looking to buy something for this van. We bought a new van. We need this thing on the inside of it, this metal bulkhead. I sent out five emails. One person got back to me after seven days. The other six never got back to me. I said, here's what I'm looking to buy. Here's my contact information. We need to buy this ASAP. I'm ready to buy. I mean, could, could you have any more of a layup? It would be more acceptable if you were like, Hey, I'm just thinking about buying one of these and I'm wondering what they cost, right? Those are the kind of emails I would understand not getting a response to. My whole point, the whole point is I feel like if you just respond to your emails in a work environment, when people are relying on you and you're relying on people, if you do everything that you can to give them the information that they need to proceed with the job that they're doing, you will go very, very far in life. The only reason I say that is because it's becoming more and more clear that most people don't do that. And so if you're just willing to respond in a hurry and provide solutions to their problems, chances are you're going to get promoted. You're going to do better than the next guy because most people do not care. And it sucks to me to see this environment. I, I would love to know what other cultures, if, if they do things this way. I know the Europeans do. Man, you, you might get about 10% of emails back to you if you, let me just tell you, if you have to email a boat company in France that makes boat parts for a, a boat that you used to own that was also made in France, and you expect them to write back, no, 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 no. They don't have time for you. They do not care. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what drives them, but yeah, they're just not, not concerned about providing good service. And it blows my mind. It absolutely, if you can't tell, it blows my mind because that providing that service is cost you zero, cost zero money. And if you can provide that quality of service, people, we keep coming back to you. This is the most cost effective way to add value to yourself or your business. This doesn't just apply if you own a business, if you work for a company and you become known. Is a person who always communicates about everything and gets people the tools that they need to do their job, you'll get promoted. Another thing that's disrespectful in my opinion is showing up late to meetings. I'm a stickler for that. I'm a stickler for it because it's disrespectful, right? Everyone has gathered to allocate their time for the company, not for themselves. Typically, it's for, it's for some greater goal, whether for a company or a chess club or some kind of event. And when people show up late, it just tells me that they don't care. They don't They don't care enough to set an alarm, to watch their watch, to be on time. And I know it's kind of old school. It is kind of old school. But it's tough. It's tough whenever one person does everything in their power to not be late and to return emails and to answer their phone if they know the number. If one person does that and they're working with someone else who does the opposite of that, how do you expect things will go? How do you expect things will go? and it sucks because the person who is very accommodating and very thoughtful gets screwed because the other person doesn't doesn't care if you're thoughtful or accommodating or punctual it doesn't matter to them because they're not that way so that's the landlord update with the brewery. You know, I've, I'm looking to, I need to buy this building. That's why I have dreams of buying this building and charging them rent because they have an office there. The moral of the story of all this ranting is just do what you're supposed to do and be respectful of other people's time. That's it. That is, that is all I'm going to say about that. Nothing else.
1: You about to lose your job. What? You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me
0: for nothing. Creepy dough currency. Y'all remember creepy dough currency? Creepy dough currency. <laughs> These are the people we're electing. They're calling it creepy dough. Creepy dough currency.
1: I want to know where to go. I want to go. Give me the go. I want to go.
0: Okay, moving right along to the next topic in my notes. I'm going to give you all some insight. So on my iPhone, I keep notes for these podcasts. And I know I've said that before, but I've had the same file of notes from like 2014 until 2022. I know 2023, like two weeks ago. And so to add to my notes for my podcast, I would open the notes folder. And then I'm not joking. I'd have to scroll like 20 scrolls to get to the bottom. And there's probably some shortcut. I just don't know how to get there. So I would go all the way bottom and I'd type in my note and I'd close it. And if it opened back up again, I have to scroll all the way to the bottom. And I always threatened to start a new thread. But I thought, you know, I kind of want to just keep this one going. So I did it. But now, since I started this podcast, don't sue me, bro. I've got a whole new thread, a new notes folder. It's nice. I don't have to scroll all the way to the bottom. I just wanted to share some good news, you know. For my next trick. I'm gonna talk. I know I'm not supposed to do this. I know, but I want y'all to hear something. All right. I'm gonna play a clip here in a second. This is from Democratic Senator Michaela Kavanaugh, in the Nebraska State Senate. She's not a national senator. She's just a senator in the state of Nebraska. All right. Now I don't know what the hearing was about. I don't know what what was happening. All I know is what this crazy woman is doing now. I understand you're passionate this is all about trans okay I understand lady you're passionate about trans all right even though it's like less than one percent of our population were you know we know you're passionate about it so i'm going to play this clip this is three minutes long i'm probably not going to play the whole thing because you'll get the idea it's very very repetitive after a certain point it's kind of just like a broken record but here you go this here. is here here she is she's speaking we need trans people we love trans people
1: that's what they're saying out there.
0: She's she's talking about protesters outside saying we need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. They're standing in a circle in the rotunda saying that so, over and over again. So this lady's gonna use her time on the Senate floor to, to do exactly what she's about to do.
1: Trans people belong here. We need trans people.
0: We love trans people. Why? Why do we need them?
1: Trans people belong here. We
0: need trans people. And I don't mean to be rude, but really, why do we need... We don't need gay people. We don't need straight people. We don't need, trans, we don't need any kind of people. You don't need to add white people. You don't need to take away black people. You don't need to change anything about the people. Let them be people.
1: We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people we love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people.
0: She's just repeating. It. I'm not. I'm not playing it over and over. Again. She's just repeating herself, over we love trans and people. over and trans over. Trans
1: people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. I gotta go forward. I gotta go forward. Belong here. Trans people belong. Screaming now. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. People belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people.
0: She's just screaming louder and louder. We
1: need trans people. We love trans trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans matter. And I am fighting for you. And I will not stop. I will not stop today. I will not stop tomorrow. You are loved. You matter.
0: All right, lady. Okay, Michaela, we got you. You a big fan of the trans? Good for you. You know, and you know what? It's not so much the topic I care about. You know, if you want to be passionate about trans or or bisexual cats or whatever, you know, you that could be your thing. You know, you save the grasshoppers. I, it doesn't matter. Cut, make the rings illegal that hold six packs together. What, whatever you choose can be your topic. But why would you get on the Senate floor and use your time to scream like the same five words over and over and over again? Oh, wait, I know why. Because we're electing the wrong people for the wrong reasons. That's why. And mark my words, about 15 years from now, there will be someone doing this in the name of pedophilia. But they won't call it pedophilia. They'll call it something else. Maps, minor attracted persons, you know. We love maps. We need maps. Maps, people belong here. You know, it's just, it's just going to be uh, another overweight woman in an ugly jacket with ugly glasses on. Screaming about things that should not be screamed about to a group of people who are so small. It's insignificant. You got the, some big testicles to pull this off, bro. It was cold to hell I should have let film stay in, let y'all see that that one that's gonna happen to that white woman for letting that damn baby in that road. I often wonder it would be a fun experiment to see to see how small of a group of people that I could create an uprising about. That I could I could create a movement, kinda like this trans stuff that they're just cramming down everybody's throat. It'd be interesting to pick, like, a, a super minority, right? Let's just say that we pick left-handed, midget, contortionist Asians and we make a, a rights activist group out of it, right? I feel like it's just it's getting comical how small these groups are and how big of a stink people are making about them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's silly. I think it's silly to make this big of a stink. But I also think we should just ignore it. And I know that I'm doing the opposite of that. But I just, I got to show these people. You know, there's two schools of thought. There's the people who say,
1: Well, we shouldn't platform them. If they have stupid opinions, we should take away their platform.
0: And, And that's one opinion. And there's my opinion who says, You know what? We should give them more. Give them a bigger voice. Let them scream from the rooftops their opinions about trans people. Because... It kind of shows how silly they are. Ain't no need for all that hollering and screaming. Just talk. Talk to us. That's that's one thing I've never understood about the left. Why do they love hollering and screaming and waving signs so much? You know? It's not like it's any more effective. It's not like that the the left wins all the time because they scream and they protest and they holler and they stomp their feet around. So why do it? Why waste all the energy and then going out there in the heat and sweating and buying the signs and the markers for no, for no outcome. I, I don't know, but I find it interesting. The, the types of people who want to go protest and march and make a scene are all drama kids. They're all the kids that wanted attention. They're all the kids that whenever their friends came over... If their friends were getting more attention than they were, then they would get angry about it, and they would throw a fit, and they would stomp around, and they would do something to bring the attention back on themselves. You might think I'm kidding, but I'm not. This is not a joke. That is not a joke. That is a natural fact. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a
1: Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking.
0: All right, you said it, Joe. You can't go to an Indian. Wait, no, you can't go to a Dunkin' Donuts or a 7 Eleven unless you have a slight Indian accent, which, you know what? To his credit, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny that he says that because, you know, maybe, maybe it's true. I don't know. But he's the kind of guy that would lash out for me saying that. But he, you know what? He said it. So I guess me and Bo Jiden agree on something. Did I mention how productive I was today? Man, today was a day of productivity. And sometimes when I'm productive, I feel real proud of myself. So just indulge me for a moment. I woke up this morning. I was supposed to go on the radio for an interview for the Corpus Christi Beer Festival that we're hosting next weekend. So I get up, I drive down to the station, I go through the door, I tell the security guard, I'm here to meet with so-and-so at so-and-so for the so-and-so. Uh, Nobody here. We're close today. I know, but I had an appointment. I guess they're still going to be on the air. No, there's nobody here. Okay. Got in my car, came back home. The lady called. I'm so sorry. I forgot we were supposed to meet today. I guess she didn't hear the section of my podcast about meetings. But either way, I'm sorry we were supposed to meet today. All right, no worries. We'll do it another day. So I rescheduled that, came home. I did my laundry. And when I say did my laundry, I mean, it's like one load. There's one load of clothes that I do every week. I do one load a week. And so I did that. I even dried it. I even put them all away. And then I thought, you know what? It's time to do the, the spray and wash. My house gets dirty. It gets, like collects dust on the sides of it. It's got like this vinyl siding. And for whatever reason, it collects dust. And so about once a year... I get a scrub brush and a bucket. I go around and scrub the whole house as much as I can get to. Spray it down with a water hose. And it just brightens everything up. Makes it nice and clean and white and shiny. So I did that. I also went and got a car wash. But throughout the the house scrubbing... And listen, I'm going to just tell you. I'm going to tell you how it is about me. I'm not the kind of guy that keeps the immaculate tools all around and has the right tool for the right job for everything. I've probably lost twice the amount of tools that i have or loaned them out or use them on a job site so i'm my my tool selection is kind of dwindling and i'm okay with that because i'm now to the point where it's like no i'm just i'm just gonna call someone to do it i don't want to spend my time doing things i don't like so because of that i don't really need tools and also because of that like when little things happen they just stay around I i don't ever get them fixed i'm not gonna call someone out to fix a little teeny tiny problem you know so that's the downside so i had to go borrow some scrub brushes from the brewery and i got those and i had a five gallon bucket i mixed my soap in it there's only about three or four places to connect water hoses that will work for this project so i have 100 foot hose it was already connected to the spigot but it was time to move the hose so i'd gotten as far as the hose will go and i go over to unscrew it and it was seized on there, it was frozen. You know how if you leave the hose connected too long, it'll just get stuck to the spigot. So I'm gonna go looking for some uh, channel lock pliers. I look at spot number one, not there, I look at spot number two, not there, I look at spot number three, not there. I'll look at spot number four, and there they were. So I got the channel locks to go back out there, went to take off the water hose. It wouldn't come off. It was wanting to twist the copper. It was about to break the whole spigot. So then I thought, man, I got to go find a crescent wrench. Walked all around, spot one, spot two, spot three, went to spot four. Found the crescent wrench. Still wouldn't work. It was going to break the whole thing apart. So now I'm like 30 minutes into just moving the hose. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go to Home Depot, which let me just tell you, I do not like Home Depot. It's a terrible experience. Why? Because there's a bunch of people walking around. Looking up at the sky, like, I I picture them walking around looking at the sky like turkeys looking at the rain. And so, but I went there, I found what I needed. I got a new water hose, I got a new sprayer, because one of my sprayers was busted. And the one that worked had a big leak in it, and so it was so frustrating, because I was spraying up high. You know, picture you raising your hand above your head, and there was a leak in the handle. So it was just like the water was running down my arm, and just my shirt was soaked. I was so grumpy. But I went to Home Depot. I bought some tools that I was like, you know what? I need to have some tools. So I bought some tools, bought a new water hose, bought a new sprayer, bought another water hose, bought a bunch of rubber grommets or, or washers for the inside of the sprayers. I thought, all right, this is my annual. I'm go, I will not go to Home Depot more than once a year. And that was my annual Home Depot trip. But my whole point, <laughs> I went into a little ramble mode. My whole point Was that I feel like these projects always take way more time, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I always underestimate. I don't, I don't ever factor in things going wrong, because if I sit there and I factor about things going wrong, I'll talk myself out of doing the entire project. And you know what? I could have paid somebody. I could have got the housekeeper's son to come out here and do this. But you know, at some point, your pride get your pride gets on the line a little bit, and you're like, man, I got I nothing but scrubbing the house with a brush. I can do this. I can make time for this. I can knock this out in about an hour. Oh, no, the whole thing was like three and a half hours, maybe four. And that got me thinking, you know, why Why would I not just pay someone to do this? I could be podcasting. I could do all kinds of other things I want to do. But here I am walking back and forth and back and looking for channel locks, vice grips, crescent wrenches. But I finally got it done, and that was the second element of my day of productivity. And right now, is the third I'm recording this podcast, and I will get it up tonight. And hopefully, people will listen to it and say, dang, that dude was productive. All we did was go to the park and barbecue on aluminum foil. But that dude got it all done. But yeah, but I hate projects. That's the, th- that's the title of this section. I hate projects. For the most part. Unless it's something that you want to do, right? it's not really a project, but if you're like if you're picking up a new hobby and you're setting things up for that, well that's a different story. When you're doing chores, like scrubbing dirt off the side of a house, I don't know. it just it just seems like there's better things I could be doing with my time and I'm finally at the point in my life where I can afford it. And I know it sounds kind of arrogant or snooty, but if you think about it, if you think about okay, how much money would I pay to not have to do this? Where I could just pay someone and then just forget about it. And it's not wasteful. If, if you can get it done for the amount of money that you're willing to spend, then you're just simply buying your free time back. You're, you're trading the money that you earned at work to someone else who's willing to do the work that you don't want to do. And that's capitalism. That's, that's what it's all about. And I know a few people who let pride get in the way and they'll spend an entire Saturday, you know, messing with the weed eater that's broken or trying to rebuild it. And you know what? I get it. Some people enjoy it. Some people find therapy in that. But I have one friend who gets so mad he throws things and he can afford to pay for help. And I just think to myself, why do you put yourself in the position to get so mad when things don't go right that you're willing to throw things? and you can just afford to pay somebody to do it for you. I wonder how old uh, how old Vladimir Putin is doing in Iran. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. <laughs> okay, Joe. Thanks for the heads up. Appreciate that. Attention, all Iranians. Do not expect Putin to gain your heart and soul. All right, we are at 52 minutes, something, something. And I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I was going to do a little research and bring, bring you guys an update on these things called quantum computers. That's important not to get this mixed up with supercomputers. And I'll, I'll go into it a little bit as much as I can. But it's also important for you guys to understand that I don't really know a lot about this. So I'm just going to tr- try to do the best I can. I don't need any corrections I don't need any emails telling me what I got wrong, but I suspect people who are listening to this won't even know what I'm, I'm talking about, so that's probably a good thing. I don't, I don't see a lot of quantum computing programmers listening to this, but if they do, don't waste your time telling me what I messed up because I am still learning. All right, so first of all, let's talk about supercomputers. Supercomputers are just large, huge, scaled versions of the computers that we already have now. These are the things that, like, Amazon has for their cloud computing and their web services, things like that. So they're just they're lo- physically large computers that can do more calculations at a faster rate. Now, a quantum computer is not just a scaled-up version of that. Quantum computing runs on quantum physics, which I know nothing about. I just say the word because that's what I read or I've seen in videos. But from what I gather, quantum computing is more of a it's more of a 3D version of computing. And I don't mean that like with your eyes on a screen, but think about it like this. So a regular computer that we know and that we're used to using the the standard technology is based on bits, ones and zeros. And so the the combination of ones and zeros is is the backbone of how a computer works. I don't know much more about it other than that, right? I know that they, they work like switches. Like if you have this switch on and this one off and this one off and this one off and this one on, that'll produce one thing. And if you just change the location of of, of, of a switch from on to off, which would be going from zero to one or one to zero in this example, it's going to change the results of whatever, whatever it is you're asking the computer to do. So quantum computing isn't just ones and zeros, but it's everything between... Zero and one, which technically is an infinite combination of of numbers. Here's a better example. You think about a coin flip. All right, if you flip a coin, what are the chances that it's going to hit heads? Right, 50%. What about tails? Yep, 50%. What about in between? What about half heads and half tails? Well, your inclination is to say you can't have that. It either has to be heads or it has to be tails. Well, in quantum computing, it can be heads, it can be tails, and it can be anywhere in between. The only thing that you have to do is figure out when to stop that coin from spinning to know whether you're 75% heads and 25% tails or 25% tails and 75% heads, whatever the, the, the mixture is. And so from what I understand, that's like the easiest way to explain it. So now when you're talking in terms of probability, it's not going to be 50 heads, 50 tails. It will be infinite of every combination, essentially. And so that is just the basic premise. Now, a real-world application of this would be to solve problems that we would have said things like, well, there's no way that we can solve that because the computer doesn't know fill in the blank, right? One example that I read about was in the in the medical industry, the medical field. And instead of having, you know, trial and errors where we just have to give someone the drugs and then see what happens and then change it and give it to them again, we will be able to plug all this into a quantum computer. And we'll be able to say, here's the person's DNA makeup. Here's the structure of this drug. Uh, What will it do to this person? And so it can be individualized. It will not be scaled through trial and error research and studies it'll just be plug in one profile plug in the other profile here's everything that could possibly happen and then the likelihood of those things happening and these things don't look like normal computers they're not little boxes with screens everything i've seen is like it almost looks like an upside down wedding cake that's got all these crazy tubes and brass parts that run and the that these particles run through there. So remember we talked about the bits, the ones and zeros. Well, these the quantum computers have what's called qubits, and those are like a three-dimensional bit. And so those guys have to move around. They're, they're, they're particles of some sort, some kind of atom, something or other. I don't know exactly, but I do know that the computer has to stay extremely cold, like some stupid Kelvin below zero, blah, 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 In order for it to stay stable. It also is very sensitive to any kind of movement. So if you bump something or you touch something, it throws off the whole thing. I think even like vibrations from sound. So we're still a long way off from this thing, but it's coming. It is definitely coming. Another example that I thought of was if you think about an industry like car parts or, yeah, let's just say used car parts or car parts in general. Now, imagine how many different car parts there are all over the world just sitting on warehouse, sitting in shelves in warehouses. And think about how many parts within that part. So, let's just say, like an alternator, right? Within an alternator, you got a string of copper, you got some wires, you got a little fan, you got a pulley, you got a few components, right? Now, imagine if we knew where every alternator was, the components that were in it. And if those components were interchangeable with other alternators. And if we think about, you know, the problems that that would present if we tried to do it today. Well, first thing you'd have to do, you'd have to go through and take an inventory. You'd have to manage everything. You'd have to report when it was bought, when it was sold, right? Let's But let's back up a little bit. And let's just say that we're going to roll out this program starting next year. And every single alternator will, will come out with like a QR code on it. And that QR code will link back to whatever massive database that has you know, what kind of cars it will fit in, the components that make it up, when and where it was originally made. If there's anything you need to know about it in terms of the electrical capacity, that could all be scanned in and put into a a system. And then when it's sold, if you wanted to manage it from an inventory perspective, you can do that too. But the value is to be able to have that and to be able to say, what other cars will this go into? What other parts can I take from this piece, this component, and, and fix things with? So it can do all of these computations and calculations that we always thought were impossible. Imagine if you just were working on your brakes, and all of a sudden, the spring pops out. And you're like, oh, dang, the spring popped out. And then you stand up and you step on the spring, and it bends it all to pieces. And you're like, dang it, I can't use that spring anymore. Now... If you go to, like, the auto parts store, they might or might not have the spring. More than likely, you're going to have to buy a whole assembly, a whole kit, just to get that little spring out of it, right? But imagine if whenever they made those brakes, there's a little QR code stamped on it, and it listed out all the specifications for everything that goes in that brake system. And then so now you have the specifications from a little spring, and then you could, you know, you can cross-reference that to a spring company who, who all they do is make springs. And you could say, this is the diameter. This is the squishiness of it. This is the pounds of resistance. And they go, oh, yeah, we got one right here. Uh, we're sending it to you. It'll be out in the next day or so. That's valuable. That is adding tons and tons of valuable to an industry. Or when parts get hard to come by and they're, you know, oh, yeah, you can't, they don't, they've discontinued that, that starter now, so you've got to, you gotta buy one and rig it up, and you gotta go on YouTube and try to figure it out. Well, with this system, you could just hit it with a QR code and say, "Oh yeah, no, they don't make these anymore. But if I order this piece and this piece, it'll work, and it will. It'll all be right there for you. Same thing will hold true for like nuts and bolts, right? You'll be able to. Uh, the, I think you will. This is my speculation. Could be wrong, but I think you'll be able to. You know, scan the picture of a bolt. Say, tell me the specs on this. It'll spit it out. Would you like to order? It'll be here tomorrow. Yes, order now. And it shows up at your house tomorrow. And that's because this quantum computing is so much more powerful. It can run all these algorithms and cross-reference all this data to instantly come up with an answer. And I think it's going to be huge, huge for medical breakthroughs. Just, Just because of what I talked about, the trial and error section of Of releasing a drug you know it takes eight to ten years from the time a drug is conceptualized to the time it makes it to the market and then you only have like a certain amount of time before your patent runs out and not to mention you've got a billion dollars tied up in research and development but people are speculating that you'll be able to you know upload your dna profile or your blood profile or whatever to this thing and say here's my symptoms and it will tell you what's wrong with you. And it will say, here's what you need to do. And it will give you, and be, it will take away human error. It will take away, I mean, we will soon figure out how inaccurate doctors are. And I think people are going to be surprised. And then we're getting better. We're getting more and more accurate every year. Medicine's improving with technology. But I think it's only going to go up from here. I think, I think medically we're due for a big leap. I don't know why, I just kind of feel like medical technology with quantum computing will be something that is going to blow us away.
1: Happy birthday, dear Zalvin. Dear who? Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Zalvin. Happy birthday
0: to you. I love it when he forgets what he's supposed to say.
1: But why? He's old, and you shouldn't make fun of him.
0: Mainly because I want people to know that I'm right. That's, that's mainly why I do it. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not why I do it to prove that I'm right. But it is to prove that we're electing people for the wrong reasons and we're electing people that should not be elected. And how else to prove that other than to play clips over and over and over again that support that? I just wonder if the people that said, You better Trump still feel like he's better than Trump because I I feel like there's no possible way. Let's not forget that Trump called Ron DeSantis Meatball Ron. (laughs) I don't know why, but I came across that the other day. I was like, that's pretty funny. Oh, Meatball Ron. (laughs) And with that, I think I will put a bow on this show and stick a fork in it and call it a day. I do appreciate you listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast, the only show on the interwebs That's ready for lawsuits. If you've ever thought about buying a hammock, now's the time. Worldsbesthammocks.com. Check it out. Order a hammock. You will not be dissatisfied. I hope everybody has a great week. I'd like for you to go out there, have a beer at lunchtime, but don't be drunk at work. Don't ignore people, especially if they're your tenants. If you have a passion for something, that's fine. But there's no need to scream it in our ears over and over and over again. This includes fight for the trans people's rights which I don't know that they don't have rights but whatever don't be afraid to buy back your free time and spend it doing what you want and take some time to learn about quantum computing it's the future and bet on it if you're a betting man because I am and I am thanks again for listening and whatever you do don't sue me bro